good afternoon and welcome along to The Pastor's Heart. My name is Dominic Steele and today we're going to be talking to Mikey Lynch. Mikey heads up the Christian ministry for the Australian Fellowship of Evangelical Students in Hobart in Tasmania. Uh, he also looks after or is the chair of the Vision 100 church planting network uh, in the state of Tasmania and uh, he's a director of the Geneva Push. Uh, he's going to come and talk to us today about the whole subject of sacrifice. And Mikey, it's great to have you with us. Good to be here. On the pastor's heart. And um, uh, when you and I were talking on the phone about you coming and uh, having a conversation with us, um, sacrifice was the obvious topic because you've written a book on sacrifice. Yep. Although it doesn't actually say the word sacrifice on the front cover. It says the good life in the last days and there's an ice cream there. Um. <laughs> there's the little subtitle as well, uh, making choices when the time is short. And, and I think it's in keeping because the, the overarching category is not sacrifice, mm-hmm. as if somehow there's something good about sacrificing yeah. in and of itself. The, the overarching category is doing what's good and, and doing what's loving and doing what honours God. And that may involve sacrifice mm-hmm. for a range of reasons. One of the big ones, which is because the time is short because we're in these last yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you've said you've written it for... The, for the strong and sacrificial person, but also for the bruised reed and for the preacher-teacher. And we're, of course, talking mainly to the preacher-teacher on the pastor's heart. Um, I'm going to ask you a whole lot of questions about the book, but my first one, I'm going to push you on this, Uh because we're we're interested in the heart of the pastor. Um, How is this whole topic of sacrifice? How's it personal to you and to your family, to your wife? So I'm, I wrote the book because I wanted to read the book, and I think that's often the case. People either write books because they want to read it, they see someone else needs it, or they're trying to build a ministry and kind of make a profit off yeah. selling books, <laughs> well, which is the worst many, reason. Many right? people make money. You know, um, uh, but um, uh, so I wrote this because I I wanted I wanted to think through the issue, and I yeah. wanted to have the book, and so mm. I wrote it because I didn't think it was quite out there, um, and I wanted to write it because I I needed to understand this reality, as you say, for myself and my family, as well as for, I think, the right conduct of my ministry. Yeah. And so at the beginning of the book, in the, the dedication, I, I dedicated to my wife, saying that in many ways we were writing the book with our lives and trying to figure this out together well before I then put you know, fingers mm. to the keyboard and actually mm. wrote the book. I don't give lots of personal examples. There's almost yeah. nothing. Mm. I, I, I came, I came out and thought, I know you're a roller skater, rollerblader, rollerblader. Yeah. Um, and you won me on page three because you're a West Wing fan, but um, but I couldn't tell much else about you. So you're trying to do a mirror read? Oh, it. oh yeah. he mentions this. Is that an issue for him? Well, so tell me, how has it been real? Some of the issues in this book for you? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, in my preaching and my writing, I don't include... Lo- I mean, that's a personality thing to some extent, I suppose. Some mm-hmm. people think and share out loud more, really? others don't. You yeah. don't, don't do much of that? No, yeah, not, not a whole heap, yeah. That, I mean, that surprises me. Yeah. I mean, you're a little bit younger than me. Mm. And, I mean, I would say the generation above me hardly does that at all. Yeah. And then, um, and I remember um, one of the people who really helped me to learn to preach, Al Stewart, said, well, you can either be the teacher who stands over the group or you can stand with your arm around their shoulders and say well let's try and work out how mm. to be godly together yeah. you know yeah. this is how it might work for me and mm. I remember taking that on board and, and that just little piece of advice of if I'm thinking it aloud for how this passage of the scriptures works out in my life 
then that's probably going to be not that far away from how it works out in their life. Yeah, you know? yeah. But, yeah th- there is a truth in that. It is um, In the process of doing that, you do to some extent make yourself and your family in a cartoonish way public property, mm. which may, not necessar- may or may not be helpful. Um, and you can also run the risk of creating a... Like Paul does say, follow my example as I follow the example mm. of Christ, and I'm sending Timothy to you to, to mm. remind you of my way of life. And you've got to but, ask your motive, what your motive yeah. is in sharing those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, th- but there can be a point where you actually end up going, well, Dominic shared this story, he does that, therefore I must do that, my mm. family must. You know, that's, mm. That is a risk that even if we give it as, a, as an example. Mm. Uh, so I mean, it's a range of reasons why. But, but for me personally, um, I think part of what, as, you know, I became a pastor very young and. Um, 20. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, and, and, and and you were kind of thrown stri- went straight then from uni two years later. Yeah, into that full time pastoral work and yeah, no theological college. Um, I'm yeah. presuming you made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, and and I think, as a friend of mine says, um, in many ways, growing up is the gradual process of realizing other people exist, mm-hmm. and I think that's especially true for uh, your typical young man. And so I think as I slowly began to realize that the things I was saying the advice I was giving, the conversations at the MTS conferences about people's futures, these were massive things. Mm. Um, people following my advice and making significant decisions because of my advice, in a sense, were setting the course of their whole lives. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Mm. And then words I'd say would, would hover over them to some extent as words of blessing mm. or cursing mm. or judgment or mm. approval. Um, and when I began to feel the weight of that a lot more... Um, and, so and how did that dawn on you? How did that... Um Well, I I think just watching people's lives unfold as we all grew up together as this Mm. young church plant and and I think enough enough empathy to be able to notice that, Um, uh, enough failure to be broken. In some ways, you know, I I look back and see (laughs) how much failure I've experienced in ministry and and I pity the great success because the great success uh, can go for a long time thinking they're obviously doing Mm. everything right, whereas when you fail a lot, you start to go, wow, am I, am I doing anything right? Mm, and and mm. that's a great process for self-reflection. Well, Donald Guthrie said to us a couple of weeks ago here mm. that um, uh, prop, the greatest teacher is reflection on hardship. Yeah. 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 Um, and some of that hardship is like Paul speaks about that daily... Uh, anxiety for all the churches. Mm. You know, if someone's weak, you feel weak. If someone stumbles, you inwardly burn. That, that's that, that is part of the pastor's heart and burden, um, and that's part of the stuff you don't fully share. You yeah. know, you, you don't you don't get up into the pulpit to make everyone feel sorry for you and to share mm-hmm. every single trouble. Mm-hmm. To some extent, you step up to shoulder some of those troubles mm. and, and 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 for the sake of others. But it does weigh. It should. Yeah. It ought to. And if it doesn't, there's a there's a problem there. So I think those things weighed on me. And then I looked at my own life and my own family. Um, and was then asking, how do I do the full-on for God thing while while being able to go the distance myself and being able to love my wife who has a different capacity level to me and, mm. and is wired differently to me? All these kinds of questions. Mm. Um, and how do I do that in a way that's not selling out and, and losing the, the urgency and the intensity that the gospel calls for? Mm-hmm. So as I was reading, I was reflecting on a poster at a Christian campsite that uh, I was on um, in my mid-twenties, and right by where you picked up your meal on the, mm. at the counter, there was a poster that said, Live as if Christ died yesterday, rose today, and will return tomorrow. And um, I remember thinking at the time, that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And so yeah. inspirational. I, I wanted to do it. So I never washed my car for about five years. Do you know... <laughs> That's the big thing. That yeah. makes the real leaps and strides for the gospel. Yeah. 
<laughs> because if he's coming back tomorrow, I don't need to wash my uh-huh, car. Yeah. And yet, 20 years later, I can't live like that. Mm. Do you know? So yep. how do you live? Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of our, in, in our circles and a lot of people watching this, I think a lot of us have come out of, to some extent or another, uni ministry revivals. And those posters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and with that ethos and those big preachers that yeah. did change your life. And then we come into churches and lead the churches and pastor people in the churches who are now three or four kids deep, mm. plus maybe a mortgage. And, mm-hmm. you know, then the, you know. Well, if you follow uh, well, the poster's advice, you don't get a mortgage. Yeah, but most people do, don't they? You know, that, that's just the so, thing. You know. So am I sinning uh, getting a mortgage? That's right. And the person who doesn't then is, is feeling yeah. different kinds of financial burdens because they yeah. didn't do it, you know. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and, and then you go, so how do I encourage and motivate this church that just cannot live the way it's easy to live when you're mm-hmm. 21 year old, years old mm-hmm. and single? Mm-hmm. Um, do, should they feel guilty that they're not? Mm. Um, or is there, is, is there more to the Christian life than that? Yeah, all, all that, that's, that's the questions this book is sort of exploring. So now, now what's yeah. the answer there? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's about 50,000 words no, to give no, it to no, you. No, no. <laughs> We've got 10 minutes. <laughs> Um, uh, the, the big answer uh, that, that I come to at the end of the book is, uh, is ultimately Christian freedom says that the way in which we live out the Christian life is in a range of ways. There's no single way. So in part, the answer is it's complicated and we have freedom to do this in a range of ways. On the edges of that, some things must be right and some things must sure. be wrong, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But not, not as many as we fancy they are. You know, we start to then create these rules. It's, you know, you, you can't wash a car or you yeah. can't have a mortgage or you mm. can't travel to Europe. or You know, we, we set up all these things that we fancy must be those edges. Um, but there's not a whole heap of those edges. Mm. Do, do you see what I mean? It's, it's Christ is coming back soon. What do the explicit New Testament texts say? 2 Peter 3, live a godly life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 13, the day is almost here. Therefore, mm-hmm. live a godly life. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we should be committed to the preaching the gospel to all nations and, and deny our sinful selves to follow Jesus. So we've mm-hmm. got those things. Um, but uh, I, I think when we try and get more specific than that, we end up running off posters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. analogies mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, stories that preachers told mm-hmm. at rousing Katoomba conferences mm-hmm. um, and go beyond the boundaries of what God's word gives us. Now, there's a driving illustration in here from the West Wing. Yes. Um, and it's a really poignant scene from season one, episode yeah. four-ish. And um, Leo McGarry, the chief of staff of the president, comes home late on the night of his wedding anniversary to find his wife, Jenny, standing in the hallway, bags packed. Jenny? I'm still here. What's going on? Leo. What's going on? Honey, I'm so sorry you went to all this trouble. There wasn't any trouble. I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. I don't want to live like this. I just can't. I'm sorry about 
the anniversary. I just it's not the anniversary. It's everything. It's the whole thing. This is the most important thing I'll ever do, Jenny. I have to do it well. It's not more important than your marriage. It is more important than my marriage right now. These few years while I'm doing this, yes, it's more important than my marriage. Now that line, powerful. Yeah. It's more important than my marriage. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I mean, that's that line, I think, must have sent chills down lots and lots of the spines of lots and lots of workaholic men watching mm. that program. Yeah. But actually, lots and lots of us pastors as well. Yeah. 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 And you. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's right. <laughs> running an entire nation of millions of people, or badly running it, mm. affects millions. Uh, affects billions, really, because, mm. because of the United States' place in the globe. Um, and so he's right objectively, but he's wrong subjectively. Mm-hmm. It is more important than his marriage objectively, but for him, the marriage and loving his marriage and caring for his wife is more important for him. Mm. And so that's the challenge of going, how do I honour lofty moral virtues about preaching Christ and, and you know, uh, managing a country well or um, evangelising the nations with also the immediate duties that God has enmeshed me in. There's no me that's abstract, in a sense, mm. from the responsibilities and the relationships I'm in. So mm. later on in the book, I, you know, I, I raise the fact that uh, if he like the president in the West Wing was able to do, had actually a mutuality of respect and endearment and affection and negotiation in his relationship, like the president does mm. with his, his wife, um, then perhaps they together could have said exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, but said, for us together, while we're doing this, mm. this is the most important thing we'll ever do, this is more important than our marriage together. But the problem is, it seems, he's emotionally absent, he's... Um, uh, this thing is something he's doing mm. and she's being dragged mm. along and I think that's the, that's the danger. Can I try an idea out on you? Because yeah. um, I, I mean, I think if I look back in the early years of my marriage, our marriage, um, uh, I think that I had been busy saving the world um, or attempting to save the world and, um, and I'd, I was certainly faithful to Cathy but it was kind of like I did the minimum to stay in the fence while my energy and heart yeah. went into saving the world. And we had a, for some reason or another, we had a guest speaker from outside our tribe um, at a marriage enrichment course. And he said something that I don't think I'd heard before, which was that the goal of marriage wasn't faithfulness, that that was a low goal for marriage that the goal of marriage was oneness mm. and that God wanted to make the two one. Yeah. And so if God really wanted to make me one, then part of my obedience was focusing on becoming one yeah. with Kathy and knowing her. And, and, and it wasn't enough that to be faithful is a low goal, but to be one with her is to be obedient, you know, to, mm. yeah. to be doing what yeah. God... And that actually revolutionised my whole approach to our whole approach to marriage, you know, yeah, and yeah. a whole approach to ministry to, to see that this was, that being one was part of what God wanted me to do in trusting and obeying him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, the ultimate answer that Paul gives in one of the controlling passages in the book, 1 Corinthians 7. Mm. Uh, Which Paul's, you spend a yeah, lot of time That's on, right. Yeah. If the time is short, 
uh, and the gospel is the key priority, then the, what should you do? Mm. Well, surely you should be single. Mm. Because singleness gives you, all things being equal, a greater amount of time and singleness of focus to, to give to the, the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yet, even on that, he says that's better. You know, because of that, for that very reason, it enables you to focus on the work of the Lord in a more undivided way. Uh, but he still doesn't command mm. it. You know? So mm. he says, this is better. I'd like you to be as I am. I mm. commend to you considering to be as I am. Um, but each one has a different gift. If you've resolved in your heart to get married then get married, you do good. Mm. Um, and, so that, and, and, and if you get married, then it actually is your duty to be divided mm. between serving the Lord in his gospel work. And, and in a, he uses that language. Mm. It's interesting. Divided between uh, loving a spouse um, and the work of the Lord. Mm. Now, of course, loving your spouse is part of how you yeah. love, love God and she's, you, know, you disciple one another. Um, but still, he can speak to some extent in relative terms mm. to say that um, uh, there is a degree of less gospel focus. Mm. You yeah. know, in, because um, you've got to take the kids to sport. Mar- yeah. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to, because now you're married. Yeah. So you're not single. And if you were so lofty in saving the world, uh, then you should have stayed single. Yeah. And as soon as you've, you've opted out of that, then you've got new duties and joys, mm. you know, new responsibilities and great blessings that, mm. that come with being married. Mm. Yeah. Now, you talk about the Christian life being the good life, yeah. that it's actually better. Help, help me there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I want to explore the fact that, that in the first place, the Christian life is, is living in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so go against this kind of idea that, oh, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd be so much happier and you know, I'd, I'd be earning lots of money and going on holidays and doing whatever I wanted mm. to do. That'd be so much better. Really? Like, if you're a Christian, you're living in the real world, knowing the Creator, forgiven by Him, with eternal hope to come, living in the world the right way to live. And even if this is the last days when the gospel must be preached and we must do without and and so on, that's the best way to live in the world that we actually are in, Mm. which actually is in the last days, Mm. you know. And so so I want to kind of try and remove us from a, a totally duty-driven sense that I'm only doing this Christian thing because I have to. Mm-hmm. And deep in my heart, I really think that living a worldly, selfish life would be a better way to live life. Mm. And go, no, don't envy the world. Mm. <laughs> That's not a better life. You read the biographies of the rich and the famous, they're depressing. Mm. You know, yeah. Now, can I ask you, because I was thinking as I was reading that section, um, and I was my head was going to the Lord Jesus saying, and, and, and him promising the hundredfold increase in mothers, brothers, sisters, yeah. children, and fields in this present life. I, I don't think you really went into the blessing of more fields in this present yeah. life. And I um, <laughs> uh, just wanted to tease you out on that. Yeah, yeah, well, I touch on it again when I explore how there's a couple of places where Psalms are quoted. Um, in 1 Peter 3 and in 2 Corinthians 9, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Psalms that speak of physical blessing are quoted for the Christian, mm-hmm. as blessings for the Christian. Mm-hmm. So Peter can quote from um, Psalm 34, is it, or Psalm 37, and saying, you know, if you want to see good life and live long days mm-hmm. and enjoy blessing, then do what's right. Mm-hmm. Who will harm you for doing good, Peter says. Mm-hmm. And then a second later goes, well, actually, lots of people will because you're suffering for being a Christian. So both things are true. So there's a, a sense in which when we enjoy good physical blessing in this life, we're enjoying the re- remnants of the created world as it should be, the Proverbs mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because it's a fallen, broken world and people are in rebellion against God, we won't always experience that. And, and so on one level, I want to say there are many blessings that come still from living in God's created world mm-hmm. that Christians can enjoy. So that often when you treat people with love and respect, they give you a 
you know, a freebie every now and then mm-hmm. when you go to their restaurant mm-hmm. or they, you know, help you with a tax and whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so who's going to harm you when you do good? Often is true. Um, uh, and, and in addition and to that, if, when you're and, in the church... And, and, if I, and if I live God's way and yeah. I stay married to my wife, then I'm going to be more wealthy than if I've had three houses and yeah. three wives yeah. and three families. Yeah. 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 And if you live in the church, then there's an extent to which we don't... Uh, Christians are not communists. We don't literally chuck everything into some diaconate administered mm-hmm. property barrel. But I do, in a sense, enjoy, you know, your holiday house or his coffee machine or their, you know, dog sitting or, Mm -hmm. you know, I get to be an auntie and uncle if I don't have kids and all these sorts of things happen. You know, so in those ways, I do acquire a family and all things are mine and I am Christ and Christ is of God. Mm -hmm. That's how 1 Corinthians um, 3 finishes, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the particular words you've got for us pastors? Because there's there's an issue of I've zealously... um, chosen to do something and so I look back at everybody else and I think Mm -hmm. are you all kind of running in slow motion yeah Yeah. I I think um, I don't think this is in the book but I remember once hearing Tim Keller speak about how we need to be honest about like founding church planters need to be honest Mm -hmm. that there are all sorts of compensators that you get for being the founding pastor that no one else on your staff gets. Mm-hmm. So, so be slow to judge them for not running as fast as you, as if you were doing it all for God, because you're partly doing it for ego and for these subtle payoffs that you've got to be honest about mm-hmm. that, that they don't have those things. Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you've got to... What are, what are the, what are the other... Um... Uh, the sense of achievement, honour, respect, autonomy, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things, the things that you enjoy mm-hmm. as a founding pastor, that with great burden, great responsibility, yep. great... Yep. You did without, and maybe you didn't earn as much early. I mean, I, I didn't. Planning a church, I was, you know, uh, working more than full time hours yeah. on less than part time pay. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the great stories you can tell. I mean, that's mm. that's stories of one of the rich the things of kudos you get from other people, all and, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, being honest about that um, is it really important? I think it's being. We've got to be really careful about not measuring things by the discomfort they cause, mm-hmm. as if somehow my life's more unpleasant, so I must be doing a greater impact for the kingdom his or her life is less uh, com- uh, is more comfortable therefore they must be well actually they might be doing more for the kingdom mm. and just so happen to be blessed by God mm. with a com- more comfortable life mm. you know that's so I think that's um, uh, that's part of it as well is not to ha- have this not to spiritualize pain pain's not good mm. um, you know and, and it's we only and yet some of us think mm. if it doesn't hurt a bit I'm I'm not sacrificing enough. <laughs> That's right. That's often a helpful test, but not always. Sometimes the, there's negligible difference, really, in the end. For a large church's budget to have good food or crummy food is a negligible difference. Mm-hmm. But sometimes parish councils go, but isn't it better to eat crummy sausages? Isn't that, doesn't yeah. God like that when yeah. we eat bad sausages? When it's like, well, it's, it's, it's a negligible difference for the cause yep. of the kingdom. Um, uh, you know, the amount of time really you're going to spend washing your car, <laughs> young man, young Dominic, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a lifetime is of such minor significance for yeah. the kingdom. Um, and, you know, so, so there's partly it's, it's being conscious about that kind of thing. Uh, partly it's realising rather than going gospel ministry and evangelism is the one hard thing. Full-time ministry and evangelism is the one hard thing. We need to realise that um, earning the money to pay for ministry and give to good deeds... That's really hard. Mm. Um, and being on the set-up and pack-up roster that m- most pastors after, get out yeah, of as yeah. soon as they can and should mm. get out of as soon as... That's a really hard job. Um, and catering, the stress of catering for an Introducing God course is a different kind of stressful difficulty mm. 
as is inviting someone mm. and then getting to sit and eat mm-hmm. and chat. And, mm. You know, so th- I think we can sometimes slip into an assumption that full-time ministry and evangelism are always the hard things that people are going to try and get off the hook on yeah. rather than honouring, actually, there's a range of difficult things and a range yeah. of pleasurable things mm. in being a Christian. And I, for one, would rather do full-time ministry and evangelise any day mm. rather than work in secular ministry and do the set-up and pack-up roster. So, yeah. so, you know, and so mm. I ne- we need to be a little bit more... Uh, broad in our thinking about those things, I mm. think. Yeah. One of the lines you had was, um, what for one person is stretching, challenging, but doable is for another person draining and overwhelming. For reasons of physical and emotional makeup, upbringing and spiritual giftedness, not all of us can or will live the Christian life the same way. Yeah. How does that, just, just unpack it for me a little further on staff teams, Christian church staff teams and mistakes that could get made. Yeah. Um, so I think... As a staff team grows, when a staff team is very small, when it's just mm-hmm. you and I yep. working together, right? So we plan, um, we plant a new church, mm-hmm. you know, City Church, Annandale, just yep. just next door here. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> um, As and, opposed to village church. Yeah, that's right. There's <laughs> City Church, um, and uh, uh, we're much more sophisticated. <laughs> hopefully, we're, yeah, we're living together uh, sufficiently much that yep. actually we can personalise and adjust with a great deal of flexibility, just intuitively. Yeah. Once the staff team gets, I don't know, you know, name the figure. But, you know, let's say four or five people. Mm. You know, suddenly it's harder to be as much in everyone's head yeah. and have the same degree of rapport so that you can follow all the cues, read all the signs and, yeah. and, and tweak expectations. I think you need to shift for the sake of love and Christian freedom uh, to actually getting some policies in place, mm. I think, and, and allow, for example, talk about things like minimum leave and sick days. Yeah. N- that shouldn't be the thing. Mm. Um, but it's a way of protecting people about minimum reasonable care. Yeah. And we've got to let them take those sick days and that leave without punishing them subtly, mm. sending subtle signals. Well, I always go to work mm. when I'm sick. And, you know, mm. I, I always take a little less than my holidays should be. And, yeah. and all this to go, no, 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 that, that's, that's us together with our parish council or our board of management or our elders or deacons saying, here is what we consider to be just and fair and right and loving for human beings with all our frailties mm. in ministry. And let's allow people to do that and not punish them. And, and so I think that's the shift, mm. to shift from going, I willingly chose to work harder and pay for things out of my pocket, and now I need to shift to actually creating policies that protects diversity. And the other thing is to keep doing my best to know each, each person individually. Mm. Mm. And, and so I think um, uh, regular meetings just meeting and talking, even if there's nothing on the agenda, mm. just to get to know your staff. Mm. I think that's a key part of both ma- large staff meetings as well as one-to-ones. Yeah, it's just yeah. keeping uh, you know, human understanding deep so that you've got three hours worth of little bits of conversation. So when a person says, I really can't come to church camp this year, you go, I totally get that. Yeah, I understand. I know what's been going I know on what's been, the I've got months. the context yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know you're hard in all of this. Yeah. Or... Actually, I, th- I think you can, and yeah. let's have a look at your, the next few weeks and let's change some things around and so give you some you flex can. days so yeah. you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, right at the end, you come back to the Leo McGarry mm-hmm. illustration and you talk about um, US. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.